It's good to be here. And we're going to be having a look at something absolutely amazing, fantastic, tremendous and exciting. But let me just clarify one point first. I have not got my dates wrong. Mark, Mark. I'm, I'm stuck on Mark now as well. Mark, Matt, Meg, that's ridiculous. Matt specifically asked me to have a look at the resurrection today. I do know that Easter was last Sunday, but the resurrection continues to impact our lives even a week later, or a month later, or a year later. So it's not that I've got confused. Last Sunday we celebrated, can we have some slides? Oh, what do you know? We can. Last Sunday we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Something that's amazing. But sadly, many of us have become so used to the story that it's lost its impact. We have heard it before. We know how it's going to end. We, we've, we've told the story. And... <clears throat> I hate to say this, but I've met Christians who are more excited about their Easter eggs than they are about the resurrection of Jesus. Easter Sunday is the day that it changes everything. Now, there have been many, many important days. There have been many, many important things that have happened. Things that have been very significant and have changed things. For everyone. I can imagine the man long, long ago sitting in his cave, eating raw vegetables and raw meat. This may not be historically correct, but who cares? And then lightning came and suddenly he discovered fire and he found his barbecue tasted a whole lot better than his raw meat. Fire changed a lot. Fire changed things. The discovery that the world was not flat, but actually round, made a significant difference in lives. It changed things. It changed our understanding. And, and if you don't believe my scientific proof that I've put up there, you've never had a cat. <laughs> the fact that the earth does not revolve around you, but actually revolves around the sun, is another important discovery that changed an awful lot. It really did. Gutenberg and his discovery of the printing press, well, that, that revolutionized things on this world and changed things. That's dear old Thomas Edison, Without him, it would be a little different here today. Um, no electricity, no lights, no PA system, no PowerPoints. Wouldn't it be lovely? You couldn't hear me. <laughs> Old Henry Ford and his invention of the motor car changed things. The Wright brothers and their amazing discovery of, of powered flight. 
I mean, we are told, now hold your breath on this, on the 17th of December 1903, their plane flew for 12 seconds. But it changed the world. The atomic bomb changed everything. Changed a lot of things. Computers and the internet. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the time before computers. Yes. I remember the first job I worked in where they had a computer. It was stored in a room. You want me on this microphone? You want me on that microphone? Sorry, I'm getting signals there from the back. You don't want me on this microphone, you want me on that one. Okay, I'll try. Got it, right. I'll stay on this microphone because apparently it's, it's better. Is that okay? No. Beautiful, perfect, thank you. Knowing you, I just thought maybe you'd like to move me to a microphone that doesn't work because that's the sort of thing you'd do to me. But I remember the first place I worked where they had a computer. It was in its own room. The room was bigger than that room at the back of our hall. It was a sealed room. It was an air-conditioned room. You had to change your clothes into special clothes to go in there. And they had these big whirling, all sorts of things. And it almost had enough memory to fit on what eventually became a floppy disk. And we thought it was amazing. Computers change things. There have been things in our lives, personal lives, which have changed things. Marriages, births, deaths, all sorts of things have come, joys and sorrows. These things have changed things, but today we want to look at something that changes everything much more important than any of the things that I've touched on. And as we look briefly at the record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can see the impact it had. We can see the impact it had on the disciples, how they were changed from a shivering, terrified bunch of people who were, who were scared of their own shadow almost. Understandably, I'd have been more scared if I'd been in that position. I'm not criticizing them, but they were terrified. And through the resurrection, they became bold and willing to die for the truth of what they knew. Look at somebody like Paul, going out to persecute and kill Christians and ending up as the greatest missionary probably that's ever lived, the man who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, an amazing, amazing man of God. It was changed, his life was changed by the resurrection of Jesus. In the reading that Jane gave us a few moments ago, Paul reminds us of some of the things that would not have been quite the same if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. It says the preaching of the gospel would be useless. Now, I, I made a point of saying the preaching of the gospel because I've heard preaching that is certainly not of the gospel and is useless anyway. Um, but the true preaching of the gospel would have been useless 
if Christ had not been raised because it wouldn't be true. Pointless. Waste of time. Our faith would be useless, the Bible says, if Christ had not been raised from the dead. Because our belief in Christ would be empty and meaningless because our faith would then be built on something that was a lie, on a made-up story. The apostles would have been false witnesses. Read what it says there in 1 Corinthians. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we would still be in our sins. Because how could we be saved by a saviour who's dead? We couldn't. That means the believers who've died would be gone. Their faith would have been in a false messiah. They'd have been trusting in somebody who claimed to be God and claimed that he would come back from the dead. So he was either an idiot or a liar or a con man. That's not going to save us. Paul kind of sums it up. And he says Christians would be the most pitied. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, he says, we are of all people to be most pitied. But he is alive. He was raised from the dead. The resurrection is real. It is not a myth. It is not a fairy tale. Jesus was not a con man. And Paul says to us, this makes all the difference. It verifies our justification. And I've put some texts up on the slide so that if you want to look these things up later on, you can. But I'm not going to quote each of these verses in detail because we'd be here for too long. I have a friend... Now, don't look so shocked. I do have a friend. His name is the Reverend Abel Govender. He's an Indian chappie from, originally from Peter Maritzburg in South Africa, and he and I got to know each other about well over 50 years ago. And Abel has just finished celebrating his 50th year in Christian ministry. And he tells the story of how he went to a church and he had the audacity to preach 10 minutes longer than he was supposed to. And he got a letter from them afterwards saying, we are terribly sorry, but we thought you were a reverend governor, but we now find that you're a never-end governor. <laughs> well, I don't want to be accused of being the never-end. Okay, so I won't quote all the verses, but Paul says, the resurrection justifies and verifies our justification. 
by raising Jesus from the dead, God demonstrated his acceptance of the sacrifice that Jesus had made. You can read that in Romans chapter 8. Jesus claimed that his blood would be adequate. You can read that in Matthew chapter 26. It demonstrates to us the power that is available to us as Christians. Power to live the Christian life. And anyone who thinks they can live the Christian life without the power of the risen Christ is deluded. It demands our complete loyalty. If Jesus is indeed raised from the dead, it demands that we submit to him as Lord. Not just call him Lord, but actually bow to his lordship. It says, if Christ indeed is risen from the dead, Christ has risen from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. Jesus is alive. And that is why Jesus could say, I have come that you at Crete St. Michael Baptist Church can have life. Yes, I added those words, Crete St. Michael Baptist Church, into it, but, but he intended that as well. He said, those who believe in me can have life and have it in abundance. Why? Because he is alive. And he lives through us. His resurrection changes everything for you and I. But it leaves us with a big question. And I battled with this one for a little bit as I was preparing. Because the question is, Jesus is alive, but are you? Now I thought, how do you find out if something's alive? Well... You speak to a doctor or you speak to somebody in that medical field and they can give you all sorts of different tests and things for ascertaining whether something is actually dead or alive. But I decided to go a slightly simpler route. I discovered that the Oxford University, they've got a fair reputation, Oxford University Museum of Natural History have put out a list of seven tests to tell if something's alive. And these tests have been designed so they can actually be taught to junior school children. So even I can understand most of them. Okay? The first test, according to them, is that if something is alive, it will grow. Growth is a sign of life. If there is no growth, it doesn't matter if it's slow or rapid, but without growth there is no life, according to Oxford University. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, spiritually, are we alive? Peter says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. In Thessalonians we read, we ought always to give thanks to God for you because your faith is growing. And that word growing could be translated as constantly being enlarged. Is your spiritual life growing? Or let me put it another way, are you alive? The second test they give us is that Things that are alive move. They move, and that is the result of expenditure of energy. Animals move to search for food. Plants even move to follow the sun. 
and stimulus. What about you? Philippians says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on, I'm moving on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Is there movement spiritually in your life? Are you growing? Are you moving? The third test they give us is that something that is alive is sensitive or responsive. It will respond to various stimuli. Again, we could use the example of the sunflower responding to the sun. Are you, as a Christian, responsive and sensitive to the word of God? John 10 says, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Are you responsive to the words of God? Do you hear God speaking to you? Maybe not audibly. Maybe as you read the Bible. Maybe as you sing songs of praise to God. Maybe as you pray. How, if you're alive spiritually, God will speak to you and you should respond. Are you alive? I like this next one. I'm so grateful that this test is included. They tell us that anything that's alive feeds. <laughs> yes. yes. All life forms seek nourishment. What's that got to do with it? Well, Peter puts it this way in second in chapter two, verse two, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up. We need to feed on the word of God. We need to. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. Great, how do you know his teachings? By feeding on God's word. 1 John 5, 3 says, this is love for God to obey his teachings. Are you feeding and being nourished spiritually? Cheer up, we number five of seven. That gives you a clue of roughly how many hours we've still got. <laughs> they say things that are alive respire. Now, respire does not just mean it, they breathe. In biological terms, it's the process by which nutrients are taken in and converted into energy. It's a chemical reaction that takes place in every cell of every living thing all the time. And as a Christian, our source of energy is God. We are to be energized by the power of God in our lives. Ephesians puts it this way in chapter 3, verse 16, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Are you being strengthened by the power of God? 
they excrete waste. I won't elaborate. But sufficient to say that Romans says this in chapter 6. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. For sin shall no longer be your master. You are not under law, but under grace. You need to get rid of those things from the past and move on. Or to put it another way, it's time to set down the luggage from the past and leave it behind. And then the seventh and final test that they give us. is that that which is alive will reproduce. Fairly self-evident, isn't it? But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all creatures. He said, I will make you fishers of men. We should be reproducing the love of God that he has given to us in the lives of those we come into contact with. Now that does not necessarily mean you've got to stand on a platform and sprout like I'm doing. That's the easy bit. But it means that through our lives, people should be changed. I forget who it was, but some famous person, so famous I can't remember his name, who said we should be preaching all the time. And if really necessary, we should use words. Our lives should be a living example of the power of Christ. Dawson Trotman founded an organization in America called The Navigators. Had a massive impact on America and the rest of the world. And Dawson Trotman had a lovely saying that I've never been able to forget. He said this, he said, God's not a liar. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, therefore it follows logically, if you're not fishing, you're not following. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Are you reproducing? Are you alive in Christ? Yes, Jesus is alive. Or you. That chapter pretty much rounds up with these words Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We no longer need to fear death. We no longer need to be bound by what is one of the most common fears of all in the world today. God has overcome death. Jesus has been raised from the dead and he will raise you from the dead and he will give victory to you in your life and this will change everything in your life if you start to not just say yes it's true but if you believe it in a way that starts to impact on your life if you're alive.
Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Has it changed you? Father, when I look at what Jesus did, I do not have words. I can't even fully comprehend the enormity of it. But Lord, in my simple way, I say thank you. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven. Thank you that you live today. And through your Holy Spirit, you live in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to allow you to give us life in all its abundance that we may glorify your name. We ask it, Lord, in your name.